Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Thank you, Kevin Zipak. This hour of Hit and Run is brought to you by Horowitz and Horowitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with you for another half hour of Hit and Run. And you know what that music means. It means it's time to go out to the SCORE hotline where we're joined by SCORE, score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Every Sunday on Hit and Run, you can follow him on Twitter at MLB. Bruce Levine. Okay, Bruce, a couple of uh, White Sox pitchers of late. Uh, Lucas Giolito looking better yesterday. Carson Fulmer sent down. What is the future for both of these guys? Sox fans need to know right this moment. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, It's funny, though, the way young pitchers are treated. The expectations are enormous, and the expectations are also generally very unrealistic. Yeah, that's right, Barry. And, you know, the just the fact that um, Fulmer was the number eight pick in the uh, country, you know, in 2015, and that he's an adrenaline pitcher with a uh, charismatic personality and a zest for the game, you know, you, you hope and, and want that guy to be successful. But, you know, when you talk to different scouts and you talk to people about uh, him, they say, yeah, he's got a great arm and he, he's a great kid, but Maybe he's a bullpen guy. Maybe he's not a starting pitcher. Uh, they don't even say closer. They say maybe he's a bullpen guy. They all think that he has stuff that's good enough to be a major league pitcher. But, you know, release point and balance and uh, delivering north to south, that's been a problem for him. And uh, accomplishing that and repeating the delivery has been the difference between being successful and not. So he's got a lot of work to do in the minor leagues. You know, Let's say that he was um, Carson Fulmer in the fifth round, uh, you know, and he got you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to sign. Do you think he would they would have gone this far with him? That's no. that's the question. Organizations, you know, sometimes want to prove the fact that uh, their their choices and their picks were right. And in this in this case, uh, Carson has more work to do. Yeah, certainly uh, invested a lot more if it's a first round pick, but. If he can't throw strikes down the road, who knows if he can even make it as a bullpen arm? You're right. I mean, we, we don't know that. Uh, we, we do we do know the fact that he's got a great arm and that he has the, the will and that, that they believe in him. But, you know, you, you do have to go through, you know, pitching well. And we saw it even in spring training this year where he'd, he'd struggle for two and pitch really well in, in that next one. And, again, you know, release point, balance, you know, north-south, those are all – really important things as far as the young pitcher in command. With Giolito, the other part of the question that you asked me, Barry, is, uh, you know, he's getting a chance to get the acid test at the major league level, and even though he's gotten, you know, had some trials and tribulations, he they're getting him this 100 pitches, 9,500 pitches every time out, and, and he's not being embarrassed. He's, he's having problems with command from time to time, and uh, the fastball, is not the 96-97 that he had with Washington before the trade, but nonetheless he's learning how to compete at a, at a different level. And, you know, first pitcher this year to win uh, two starts in a row, good for him. Um, I, I think, you know, I think there's a bright future for him out there. Is he, a, is he a number one? Is he even the best pitcher projected on the present staff? No, maybe Lopez, who's scheduled to go, uh, you know, today is is maybe that guy, but 
from the perspective of competition and the, the guy's ability to understand what he has to do, I think he's got a good chance. What was your biggest takeaway from your conversation yesterday morning on Inside the Clubhouse with Dan Duquette? My biggest takeaway was that I'm not sure Dan Duquette's going to be making that decision about when to trade Machado. And the reason I say that is Dan is in the last year of a contract. Um, Buck Showalter's in the last year of a contract. Um, Mr. Angelos, the owner of that team for the last 35 years, is very sick. He's only been in the office two days since October. His two sons are trying to figure out how to run the team themselves. Uh, They have a guy by the name of Brady Anderson, who was an accomplished player uh, in the major leagues for a long time, uh, behind the scenes working with the other guys. So I don't know if Dan's going to be making that move. If you have a a, a franchise-altering trade or two to make, uh, going down the line, you want a guy who may be walking on you or you you not you parting with um, being the guy to make that move. So from that, I mean, Dan, you know, certainly let us know that uh, Machado and some of the other players like Jones are going to be available. The point is, is that uh, when and where and uh, and who's going to make that decision? I think that's what I got out of it. Bruce, I don't blame Joe Madden one bit for being frustrated uh, and the things that he said after game one yesterday made a lot of sense in, in regards to how, how poor a game that was. Um, but there's been a lot of that. I mean, it's not just the way they – not just the situational hitting, which has been dreadful, but they, they, they're they still doing dumb things like uh, Rizzo not sliding at second. Was that in game one yesterday or was that Friday? Yeah. I'm, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rizzo fielding a ball that should have been a ball for Baez, and then they would have got the out at first. Um, uh, base, Rizzo ba- picked off earlier in the week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Caratini looking at a throw on a double play instead of just running through the bag at first. He would have been safe at first. I mean, just dumb stuff over and over and over again. Add in the situational hitting, which has been terrible. Uh, a lot of bad starting pitch. I don't blame him for being frustrated. Um, well, he... He has delivered the message over and over again. What else can he do? Well, I don't know. I mean, you you, you can't really sit people on the bench. You don't have replacements. I mean, you you have you have really good, talented players. But I mean, you know, you you also have Javier Baez not running out of baseball yesterday. I mean, uh, frustrated that he's two for twenty five. That that's you know, those are the things that you you feel when a guy's in a third full year of his career already been the NLCS uh, most valuable player who played on a championship team. You don't expect these things to happen. And uh, the frustration for Rizzo, obviously, of uh, not having hit until recently, obviously has shown through. Because, I mean, do you think there's usually a more savvy guy out there than him on a, on a daily basis? I no. mean, he's, he's a complete player. I mean, he's, he's, you know, the guy that's the face of your organization along with Brian. So from from that perspective, it, it's shocking to me. I, I think there there is that little bit of edge that's missing as far as, um, and I think I think uh, Theo Epstein told Peter Gammons that this week that uh, he's concerned about you know the attention span of his players, which is shocking considering uh, all the, the great baseball that they played here over the last three years under Joe Madden. What jumps out to you, or what does it t- tell you about today's lineup? Um, Chris Bryant always kills the Reds. He's sitting. There's an off day tomorrow. You have Ian Hat playing third base. 
Yeah, you know what? A lot of people, uh, and uh, scouts included, believe that Hap is, is that, that might be his best position. Um, you know, he he was a second baseman during his uh, his college career, and he was just converted to the outfield the last two or three years, the last two actually. Uh, hasn't hasn't necessarily accomplished everything he has to do to be a very good outfielder yet. I know he's working hard on it, but uh, some people think that's where he's at. I mean. Would, you, would either one of you guys be surprised if in a lineup in 2019 the regular uh, left or right out, right fielder might be Chris Bryant? And, of course, I understand that Jason Hayward is under contract for five more years. But, um, you know, going forward, you know, if you project a Manny Machado possibly showing up or uh, other deals that the Cubs are going to make, and certainly we know Epstein and Hoyer don't stand still. Uh, it's, it's possible Bryant is such a good baseball athlete that he could easily segue into the outfield and, and not be a, a big deal. So if they think Happ is a third baseman in the future, maybe maybe that's down the line. I know it doesn't sound like it's going to happen today, but... Um, what, what, about sh- what about showcasing him for a trade? Is there any of that? Yeah, that, I think that makes sense. I mean... Uh, I don't think they want to trade Ian Happ because how many times do you get a guy in your organization comes up as a rookie, hits 25 homers, and he has power from both sides of the plate with some speed? Uh, you know, that that's not a guy you just want to, you know, just casually look at and say, you know what, we don't want to deal with his player development here. We don't want to watch uh, the uh, launch angle change and see what comes of it. Uh, we're going to move him along. He could be – he could be a really outstanding player for a long time in uh, Major League Baseball. What's a Cub fan supposed to think of Justin Wilson? Right now, he's supposed to think that in big situations, he's not going to get the job done. Is there any other way to look at it? I mean, you come in and you have a, an outing like that. Now, any pitcher could have a meltdown from time to time. He's had good outings this year. But this was a guy that was, you know, they traded a really good young third baseman and a prospect to go along with it uh, for him to Detroit last year because he had closer stuff from the left side, you know, 97 from the left side, and he was closing and dealing, getting the job done for a team that was out of competition. Is this the, uh, Todd, is this, is this the Todd Ritchie trade? Is this the trade you make for a guy you think is capable of, of pitching really, really well but, but can't do it in a big market? I, I think it might be. I mean, you know, maybe we're jumping the gun, but – you know, that was a meltdown of gigantic proportions yesterday. I mean, he wasn't even close. Uh, on that final walk, you know, if Hamilton didn't swing at, at ball, ball three, <laughs> during that at bat, it was complete, you know, nothing was even close. You, you really don't expect that. And, and I don't like to be hard on one guy for one outing because he's, he's had some good outings. But the fact that he's not a back-of-the-end guy that you can count on is a little disappointing, I'm sure, for the Chicago Cub organization. What's different with Jim Hickey? With Jim Hickey, uh, you know, the getting used to stage, you're talking about... Well, well I'm, or, I'm uh, saying compared to how Basio ran things as a pitching coach, what, what are you hearing from around the team? Well, I think, I think he's as good a communicator. You know, there, there was nothing wrong with Basio, except Basio had a, had a horrible year off the field last year. You know, losing his father, uh, breaking a foot, having a toe amputated. Uh, he was in total physical misery last year, and he wasn't the same guy uh, with dealing with everybody else. Uh, so uh, they, they felt a change had to be made. But I, I think, you know, I think Hickey's message is 
really good communication. I think he's just as demanding in a really good way, in a positive way, as Basio is with those other people. And he's still learning. He's still learning the, who the who the guys are, and they're learning his style. But uh, Jim Hickey's an accomplished guy, and I think it was, it was a good move for both him and, and for Chris to move on to Detroit and help out there. He's doing a sensational job with the Tigers right now. Bruce, what's your confidence level in you, Darvish, today based on what he did the other day? I, you know, I just think he's going to go out there and, and deal for seven innings. I mean, that, that's not an easy ballpark to pitch in. Uh, it's not it's not uh, forgiving as far as fly balls go. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got to go out and deal today. You know, seven innings, give up two runs, maybe a, a fly ball home run here or there, you know, solo shot. But uh, I'm sure that's what they're looking for. I'm sure that's what he's looking for. This is a a prideful guy who's pretty accomplished. Uh, he, he didn't come to Chicago to fail. So uh, you, you know by the way he tweets and the way he kids around with uh, the media, you know, through an interpreter and the, and the Japanese media. Uh, this guy expects a lot from himself, and I, I expect him to do a lot better. Bruce, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. We'll catch up with you next week. All right, guys, take care. Thank you, Bruce Levine, Score Baseball Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, Joe, we will wrap up the show. I have some some very nice moments from the MLB Network this week. An award sh- winner? To share with you. Uh, yeah, it's An my Emmy winner. It's uh, my Mad Dog Russo moment of the week. Oh, yes. And. Um, <laughs> We, sit, we have some other Cubs and White Sox issues to get to as well. We will try to get to them in these final few minutes on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Final few minutes with you on this Sunday morning. It is most certainly not a beautiful day as winter continues here in Chicago. It's like 40 degrees. It was like it's almost June. It's, it's like 40 degrees at my house. I this did say, morning. see, it's going to be uh, hopefully mid 80s by like Friday. That's what they say. We've been teased a couple times already. It's it's cloudy. It's foggy. And you're it's wearing raining, shorts. It's cold. You're wearing shorts. I was like, and, it's 50 degrees. On and I'm wearing sunglasses. Uh, no, that's uh, that's not true. Uh, I am wearing shorts. Joe Ostrowski. Uh, so uh, I am, uh, for some reason, Still drawn to watching from time to time, not every day, not as faithfully yes, as I watch yes, MLB Central in the morning. But I, I do watch uh, Mad Dog Russo from time to time. I noticed that because you always go out of your way to say he doesn't know anything, he doesn't know anything, and then I'll bring something up. You're like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I think you're watching it every single day. Maybe it's a hate watch, but you're watching. I, I, I really don't. I really don't. I, I think it's probably... Maybe 40% of the time. I actually like think that. it's a good show. I'm not saying he's a good host. I think it's a good show. His producers are phenomenal. The content on the show is phenomenal. The producer he argues with, I wish he hosted the show. He knows more than Russo does. <laughs> a lot more. He also can pronounce names of players. <laughs> uh, but that's not why you called. Um, he started talking about Albert Pujols. Okay. And he goes, is Pujols... Uh, I don't know about this Pujols. I don't know if he's a top five, uh, top five right-handed hitter of all, all time. I You know, he's just. He's I just saw screaming. that. I saw that. You know yes. what I'm talking about? Yes, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he goes, I don't know who, who are the top right-handed hitters of all time. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, 
uh, Fox, Jimmy Fox, uh, DiMaggio. Everything uh, old. Um, uh, right-handed hitters. Uh, top right-handed hitters of all time. And that was it. That's yeah. where he stopped. I saw it. Yeah, Fox and DiMaggio. <laughs> if I said to you, Joe Ostrowski, and you don't, I, I, you don't fancy yourself a baseball historian, you don't, uh, you don't spend your life in baseball reference in the wormholes uh, that I find myself in. But if I said to you, top right-handed hitters of all time, what are the first two names that come to mind? The first two names of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. Is this hard? What are the first two names that come to mind? Are they Fox and DiMaggio? Yeah, I, what are, I live in Jimmy Fox. What are the What are the first two names that come to mind? Michael Jordan. <laughs> How about Hank Aaron and Willie Mays? Yeah, they're pretty good. Are they, pretty good. Fox and, and No, no. Here's here's the most shocking part of that. He's a Giants fan <laughs> that grew up. Willie Mays is this god. Fox and DiMaggio. He's like a crazy. He runs to everything New York. Well, he's That's a crazy. He does. He's a crazy the show. He's the shows. A, let me let me let me talk about the Mets. Let me talk about the Yankees for fifteen minutes, and then we'll move on to what else is going on in the world. He's a crazy DiMaggio fan. But I mean, really, do you have to know a lot about baseball to not think Willie Mays and Hank Aaron immediately? But I will say, it when you start thinking about it, it's shocking. Well, maybe it's not shocking, but uh, you're a little surprised at the amount of left great left-handed hitters that are at the very top of that list. It's like, oh yeah, he's lefty too. Yeah, no, I'm. There's yeah, you can go, you could go twenty deep easy and do it fast. But yeah. right-handed hitters, I mean, off the top of your head, you go okay. Uh, you go, I mean, for me, it's Aaron Mays. I think Manny Ramirez. I think Frank Thomas. I was say Frank. I, mean, I think. I think. I think. Um, I think Cabrera. I think Miggy. I yeah, think you Mi- don't. Even, you can I, talk about play the recent vintage too. I I think, and you know, Pujols is absolutely has to be considered. What about Mike Trout? He hates I mean, Mike you, Trout, though. Look at look at who you're talking about. He, hates he doesn't Mike, like Mike Trout. He, he doesn't Mike, think he's a great player because the Angels are bad. Not this year, but in general, they've been bad. Yeah. So that's his fault, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you add. Bryce Harper to the White Sox this year. How much better is their record? Really? You you put him in right field every day. How much better is their record? Is it a lot? It's a lot better? Of I don't, course not. I don't understand. Like, you don't even like hockey. If I said to you, who are the greatest players of all time? I mean, you we start... Know. You <laughs> I mean, do you not know who Wayne Gretzky is? Yeah. How do you not start every conversation with Hank Aaron? Every well, conversation starts with Hank Aaron, period. And this is a guy that grew up at that time. And he's on MLB Network. <laughs> you do a better mad dog than I do. <laughs> I, what, I, what I thought you were going to bring up was, I don't know if you caught this, this week he was arguing with his producer <laughs> about Noah Syndergaard's win-loss record. No, he was saying Syndergaard was not it. he hasn't done anything in this league. He's not a great pitcher and he he just kept citing his win-loss because record. Because he can't win cuz he hasn't he, won enough because games. of his win-loss record. <laughs> oh, you can you can't say that. You can't you can't say he's a great pitcher because of this. He's pitching today, my bet on him. He's go he's going against Clay Buckholtz coming out of the uh minor leagues for Arizona. But I don't know. But you're the Mets guy. I I Looking up his career win-loss record. Like it matters. It doesn't, but that's the only argument he had. Well, he hasn't done anything yet. 
<laughs> really? He's not a top ten pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah, twenty seven and he's twenty seven and nineteen. I told you the Paul Sullivan story, right? Uh, about World, World Series, World Series game, uh, game. What is it? What is involved? Game five at Wrigley Field. World Series game five at Wrigley Field. Before the game, he's watching the Giants football game in the press box. I don't know if you know the Wrigley Field press box where the yeah. writers sit. Up in the back are some are some booths, some glass booths. They're really not soundproof. Who, who's he? Mad Dog. Okay. Is is in the Wrigley Field press box. Why, I don't know. But he's sitting in the booth up at the very top, and he's watching the Giants, Giants game on TV, and he's screaming. No, he's not. Yes, he's screaming. Is anybody you, paying any attention to him? Well, people are working. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, the, I don't have to tell you, with the game, the game times in the World Series, you're writing all day and all night, hitting deadline after deadline after deadline. I mean, you're just working all the time. He's up there screaming. And Paul Sullivan turns around and, oh, gosh. and says, shut up. But he used, he, he used a little more colorful language. Two more than, words? Yes. Okay. And then... Russo, rather than realize that what he's doing is improper in the space in which he's doing it, starts screaming at Sullivan, at which which point I walk up the stairs and join Sullivan, and uh, so did several other people. And then he went back and forth with Sullivan for a while, and then we all gave Sully a standing ovation (laughs) for embarrassing the moron, um, doing something incredibly unprofessional in that in that space and in that moment. Why don't you go football, watch football go somewhere else? Um, so then I tweeted about it, and for the next three days, <laughs> the Russo psychophants were... Uh, oh. Sycophants, sorry. Were, uh, Was it like... Uh, psychotics there are people and like that? sycophants. That's a combination of psychotics, psychotics and sycophants. Uh, they were all over us on Twitter for the next three days. Was it uh, worse than Vancouver people? Uh, no, nothing could be worse than the <laughs> Vancouver people, who I miss, actually. I, I miss them. They've given up on me. Well, also, some... the Blackhawks are irrelevant. Yeah, and There's Vancouver that. hasn't been relevant for like yeah. four years. So, um, this, uh, this bad baseball that the Cubs have played of late, not of late, really all season, it's just been a lot, of, you know, with, with few exceptions. Right? I mean, there's been a few clean there games. There are people texting and confirming your story in the press box. Really? Yes. That, they, that they've heard the story or they know the story? Um, that they were there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Dave. How are you, Tay Pat? Okay? <laughs> oh. My best, he doesn't know how to ask a question. It's not a question. It's not a question. He uh, gives his opinion. Hey, uh, how I about think, a minute on that? Hey, uh, Mike Trout, he's uh, been better this week. Uh, uh, give me a take on that for a second. Even with general managers and managers yeah. around baseball. Well, he, talks for, he talks for a minute and then says, uh, give me a take on that for a second. But it's one thing to have just an open conversation going back and forth, say, with a re- uh, beat reporter or somebody you've known a while in the business, like maybe Tom Ferducci, he works with over there. And then with a general manager to conduct yourself in the exact same way. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they're not questions. Well, you get a lot of that in radio TV, though, where it's it's not a question being asked. It's this just a very long statement. And here's a, You agree with me, right? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of that. Get it here. Um, 
Whereas uh, you don't often really get the information you're looking for because you've already pretty much spelled out your argument. Oh, you're assuming that people are looking for information. Well, I think that's the point of having a guest. I agree with you. I thought that's what it was. Well, um... (laughs) As we take down everybody. Yeah, we're out, way out the door. We're out of time, Joe. These two and a half hour shows are killers. I, I, I'm sorry for all the things we didn't get to today. Uh, we'll have more time next week. We'll try to get to all of that for you. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of Cubs and White Sox stuff I wanted to do. So I'm sorry about that. But uh, Paul LaDuca was really fun. We'll get him on again. We'll talk more baseball with him. If you missed it, check the podcast. We'll tweet out at hit and run 670. Time for thank yous to our producer, Eli Hershkovich. Always does a great job. Thanks to Kevin Zipak for the updates. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine and Paul LaDuca. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. And then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer. Right here on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs, it's Darvish. And Mally, have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby! Are you kidding me? Holy Moses. So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.